Warning, this podcast contains all the offensive language we could think up on the spot. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by Alabama's even more restrictive abortion ban. Now, with rape and incest. Alabama's even more restrictive abortion ban. You think Georgia's bad? Hold my beer. And now, The Scathing Atheist. This is Evan from the Happy Monday Podcast. If Noah's diatribe doesn't make you happy, you can always feel good knowing that we did, in fact, evolve from filthy, happy monkey men. It's May 16th. And it's National Mimosa Day. So, uh, get drunk in the morning and pretend you like your partner's friends, I guess. Uh, you were no. going to do that anyway. I'm No Illusions. <laughs> I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. And from James Comey's New Jersey, <laughs> Cincinnati Swing State, and Good Husband Georgia, this is The Scathing Atheist. On this week's episode... Christians will take their balls and go home. And Steve Anderson is reminded that in Ireland, they drive out the fucking snakes. <laughs> but first, the diatribe. So I'm talking with a friend the other day, and bless her heart, she's trying to understand what I do for a living, or, or more particularly, why I do it, right? She's a Christian, a Catholic to be exact, and we're really good friends. I've been friends with her as long as I've known Lucinda, and Lucinda was friends with her before that. And she's happy for us that we have jobs that we love and that allow us to travel and to live where we want or at least where we choose, but she just doesn't get the why part of it. So her question is basically always the same when she asks about my job. She usually finds a new way of phrasing it, but it almost always boils down to, so what's your problem with religion anyway? Right? She'll give me some variation of that. So naturally, I'll just start listing evil shit the church does. And as easy as that normally is, it's extra easy when you're talking to a person that ties to the Vatican. But invariably, we fall into this same rut. And it's probably a rut that you're as familiar with as I am. The, but that's because they're doing it wrong bullshit when your interlocutor patiently explains to you that those evil, kid-rapey, mass-shooty, church-bomby, gay-hatey types aren't actually religious. They're just kid-raping, mass-shooting, homophobic terrorists that sign God's name to their homework. Now, I'm not going to spend a whole diatribe debunking the no true Scotsman fallacy. It's too dumb to fill up the segment. God can't speak for himself, or if you're trying to be overly kind, he just refuses to for some reason. So every individual believer is left to fill in the blanks with whatever words they want, and whoever uses different words must be getting the words wrong. See, when my friend was invoking the trueness of her Scotsman, she kept saying shit like, but that's not what God wants, and that's not what God thinks, and that's not what God demands. And I kept trying to correct her by adding the possessive in there. Right. That's not what my God wants. That's not what my God thinks. That's not what my God demands. But of course, she's theologically obligated not to admit that the possessive can even exist there. Sure, you'd be hard pressed to find two Christians who define God the same way or would even give consistent answers about him on a what Game of Thrones character are you quiz. But their whole concept of God insists that they at least pretend they're all talking about the same guy. 
I mean, look, this is part of the reason I'm so insistent on not capitalizing the G in God. Yes, part of it is that lowercase is just grammatically correct there. And if you want to hear more about that argument, I recommend the diatribe from episode 132. But I'd be willing to make a grammatically incorrect concession tradition for the sake of communication if it didn't also promote bad ideas. See, when it comes to God's personhood, religious debaters want to have it both ways. They want to laugh off our simplistic notions of God as some guy out there somewhere when it suits them, but then ascribe the characteristics of an individual to him the rest of the time. I mean, if you look at the attributes of God that pretty much every Christian can agree on, none of them are human attributes or even individual attributes. They're the attributes of a concept, and concepts don't get capitalized. See, to even refer to God as though you're talking about a being, even a fictional one, is already given ground to their argument. God is undefined in virtually every religious debate you'll ever have, and to the extent he is defined, it's usually with absolute qualities, like being all-knowing, omnipresent, outside of time. Now, we obviously all agree that a person who is all-knowing, omnipresent, and outside of time isn't a real thing that exists. I, we have to agree with that or they'll take away our atheist cards. But I'd argue that it isn't even a concept that can exist. Right. When you move that far from human in your construction of a being, you can't then tag in human attributes when they please you. God, as defined for purposes of debate by the people on his side, is more akin to a concept like infinite parallel lines or gross national product than he is to people or even to previous gods. Right. Like Zeus was a dude. He was a fictional dude, but he was a dude with dude properties plus magic powers. And Christians have one of those gods, too. His name is Yahweh or Jehovah or something, but it's not God. And this matters. See, Christians have this habit and conversation of moving seamlessly between Jehovah the dude and God the concept, and capitalizing the G reinforces an acceptance of that rhetorical bait and switch. They'll try to justify the existence of God by giving him this flighty conceptual definition, but then they'll shift right into saying, and he said X, as though the flimsy philosophical construct they built around all-knowingness and omnipresence is just a no-brainer synonym for the God of the Bible. Either God is Jehovah or God is this concept. And if they want God to be Jehovah, they're stuck with what's in the fucking book. Anything they add to that requires, at the very least, a possessive, right? At best, they're speaking for their God at that point, and everybody else's interpretation, regardless of whether they're religious, is equally valid. At its worst, that's a call to immoral action. At its best, it's an excuse to ignore it. They're talking about your Jesus. Interrupt this broadcast bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight are the fold and spindle to my mutilate Heath Enright and Eli Bosnick. Fellas, are you ready to invalidate some official documents? Yeah. I also got one of those uh, number three pencils they were terrified <laughs> about in school. Bad Fuck boy. up your test. Yeah, I mean, this human shit I spread on my hands was for something else, but sure. I mean, All I, can, right. I can use it for well, documents. I need to <laughs> sanitize Eli's microphone and his mixer again. So we're going to pause for a word from this week's sponsor, us. So far, our Matreon fundraiser has been a great success. Once again, you've blown away our expectations. You've already fully funded the Patreon-only pajama party live stream, but there Woo! are still plenty of goals to hit. And as we've added new goals over the last few weeks, a lot of you have reached out to ask how we come up with them. So we figured we'd pull back the curtain a bit and share some audio from that very meeting. Hey, Andrew, how's it going? Happy Matreon. And happy Matreon to you too, Noah. How are you? And, um, and by the way, thanks for meeting me in this um, open field. I, I get it. Your office has taken quite a pounding this year. 
Yeah. Thanks for being understanding. Um, speaking of which, where are Heath and Eli? That is a bulldozer. And, and that's that's my office chair. How? <laughs> Why? Classic. Why is your door code your kid's birthday? Yeah, Andrew, that's on you. Come on. On you. Blame we, yourself. You knew we knew <sighs> that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So how can I help? Well, we're doing our April Fool's Patreon-tacular, right? We're 100% not, not, gonna call not calling that. it that. Okay. Nope. Pin in that. Pin in that. We'll nope. get back no to pins. That. Nope. And we had some more ideas for stuff to do during the pajama party to keep people going. Oh, okay. Look, before I even start to look at this list, Eli cannot offer to fuck anyone's dad during the pajama party. I've been very clear on this. I when have can, already purchased IWillFuckYourDad.com. Even you. if you've already purchased IWillFuckYourDad.com. Okay, so we're wasting company money now, just for the record. We are wasting company. Let's see here. Uh, no. Uh, no, definitely no. Uh, I guess that's technically illegal, but I, I don't think we can get Carrot Top, guys. I think I we know. can get Carrot Top. I also think we can get Carrot yeah, Top. absolutely. Either way, uh, where does that leave us? Okay, that leaves us with the AMA. Uh, hit it already. Uh, Anna's sing-along. Uh, hit that too. A special Dungeons and Dragons session with all of us. So many people asked for that. A A lot of people wanted that. And playing Twister in our jammies. Okay, that's what we're going to go with then, I guess. Yep. Look, look, uh, no, no, look. See, Andrew, uh, where we go. Andrew, Andrew, later. I have a present for you. Of course you do. What is it this time, Eli? I got you a bottle of Ardbeg Scotch. What? What? Really? Yeah. Wow, uh, Eli, that's fantastic because, you know, usually you get me something. It gets better. It gets better because I poured out the weird stuff that's inside and I filled the bottle with little scrolls. I wrote crimes I'm going to do on. Yeah, things like that. Happy Maytacular Paper and Fool's Day, Andrew. I, I, I don't think we're calling it that. <sighs> what else is on this list? Where are you even going to get a giraffe? Why? Uh, uh, oh, they're gone. And, and they took my car. All right. Well, we've got some brand new awesome rewards as well as some goals that you really want to watch us achieve. So if you want to get in on the action, head over to patreon.com slash scathing atheist. Later this week, we're going to be dropping the second half of our Patreon only AMA. And we're only a few weeks shy of the pajama party. Act now and you can help us add Patreon only ringtones so that as one listener helpfully suggested, you can get me yelling at you as your alarm clock. That's awesome, right? And remember, only you can make Andrew play Twister with us on camera. And now, back to the headlines. In our lead story tonight, Pennsylvania State Representative Brian Sims continued his ongoing campaign of terrifying Christian bigots last week, and it continues to be an absolute delight to watch him do that. Yes, it does. Um, It absolutely (laughs) does. Sims is a progressive, liberal, non-religious gay man, and... He's also a beautiful, beautiful man, just 
gorgeous. Just looking at this picture makes me want to buy paper towels and lumberjack equipment. Like, just to make <laughs> oh. him like me. Whatever I need to buy. So, basically, he's the exact embodiment of all the Christian fears and sexual confusion yes. rolled up into one. Yes. And his latest triumph was embarrassing the fuck out of some anti-choice protesters who were harassing women outside of a Planned Parenthood in Philadelphia. Did he develop some kind of evil scientist self-awareness, Ray? Because I feel like that would do it. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> he was just like, hey, what if people knew how you behaved? And the Christians were like, nah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, quick background. You might remember Sims for being the guy who went on Facebook and posted a giant fuck you for Mike Pence when the VP visited Philadelphia last year. This included a photo of Sims giving Pence the finger, uh, also making fun of Pence for needing his wife's help to speak with a female human being. <laughs> and it closed with, get bent, then get the fuck out of my city. <laughs> it was the best. Oh. Um, just for the record, the cast of Hamilton and also just about everyone in New York City did the same thing when Pence visited them. This should be how it works Everywhere he goes all the time, forever, also everyone in that administration. Amen yeah, to that. And, and guys, this will not take a global effort, right? Like, if you can help us lure him into my dining room, we stick Anna in the kitchen, Lucinda in the living room, we can basically do whatever we want for eternity. <laughs> yeah. And ladies, I'm just saying, if you have a vagina and you walk into an elevator that Mike Pence is in, you are legally kidnapping him. <laughs> do with that what you will. <laughs> all right, so... Uh, Sims decided it was time to harass the harassers at the Planned Parenthood. And I think that's great. But by harass, I mean record video of harassers doing exactly what they do, all at the same time not interfering with anyone seeking medical treatment. So not harassing. Oh, it was a mad scientist self-awareness, Ray. And it was just photons bouncing off of them was <laughs> the ray in question looking yeah yep. <laughs> he also uh he asked one of the mob a few questions like have you fed any children today no you haven't uh have you given out any condoms to prevent abortions mm. no <laughs> have you protested any catholic churches for all the kid raping sorry what Oh, did you say complete silence? Cool. Cool, cool, cool. So I guess you're not pro those lives, just this one weird type. It's um, this whole video is these women trying not to break like solemn character, but someone isn't afraid of them. And it's my everything. They're just like, <laughs> usually the teenage girls are scared of us, but he doesn't seem scared. Of us. <laughs> Do you need medical treatment? I could deny you. <laughs> <laughs> they're terrified of a camera showing them doing what they do it's it's the best yeah so you're probably wondering if christian people realized it would be crazy to get mad about somebody treating a woman harassing mob the way those people treat women again minus the colossal evil of interfering with medical treatment right you're thinking maybe christianity internalized the criticism and adjusted their behavior um but that's because you're stupid, hypothetical wandering person that I made up for this. They did not adjust any of their evil behavior. Instead, evangelicals everywhere saw the, the mirror that Sims held up to them, and they all hurt themselves diving into the glass trying to attack the reflection like a dumb puppy. All right. 
So big mirrors in the dining room before we do the pens thing. Check. Um, <laughs> we should also just to be safe, maybe paint a few railroad tunnels on the walls just to find out. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Turn all the chairs upside down just for the gay fear part of it. <laughs> so, so again, Sims is basically a, a weapons grade version of Pete Buttigieg and Christianity is having a super panicky meltdown. And that means it's time for another Christian freakout. Anna? What are the guys talking about? It's the newest, the greatest Christian freakout. So we got two especially fun meltdowns, thanks to Brian Sims. The first came from Catholic League President Bill Donahue, who looks like chewed gum fell on the floor of a geriatric barbershop, just rolled around a little bit. And according to Donahue, Sims should go to jail for this. What? Donahue also, yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> Donahue also literally claimed that filming and asking questions in public is worse than sexual misconduct. Well, said that too. Yeah, but to be fair, he's got ellipses is worse than systematically covering up child rape tattooed on the back of his hand. <laughs> so, like, he, he says that the way it was like some people say, um, just as like, he's he trying to think <laughs> of the next filling. thing. And what's amazing about that interview is watching Bill Donahue try to say words he thinks Brian Sims did without describing what the girls were doing, right? Yeah. He's like, damn it, he was harassing women as that. Nope, sorry, no, give me a second, no. let me try again. He Got was it. filming two people who had nothing. Ah, oh, this is hard. <laughs> he had a beard. They didn't have beards. <laughs> he, has a, he has a beautiful <laughs> beard. It's a very, very nice beard, Brian Sims has. Anyway, sorry, we got one other amazing freak out that needs to be mentioned here. A Christian right Trump activist named um, Who the Fuck Cares decided to expose <laughs> Brian Sims for being secretly heterosexual. Yep. As as that relates to Planned Parenthood. <laughs> um, according to Who the Fuck, quote, I don't think Sims is gay. And I think we need to prove it. We should demand we see him suck a dick before we'll believe he's gay. Wait, <laughs> you're not gay, dude. Suck a dick. I don't believe you. Nope. I just think you're pretending to be gay. Suck a what? dick, dude. <laughs> Suck a dick. A gay guy would do it. Suck a dick. Go. End quote. End quote. <laughs> Said wow. the heterosexual Christian man nope. as he <laughs> sculpted a, a hair doll of Brian Sims to sell to Heath on Etsy. Yes, <laughs> nope is correct. Suck a dick. Do, uh, you know what I just realized? I'm not going to believe you unless I'm there. I've got a dick. You could. Oh, I just got it. I'm gay. I'm gay, everyone. There it is. This is about. Thought, I figured it, out. Wow. You got it faster than we expected. Yeah. Cool. And in May the Road Rise Up to Tweet You News, it has been a tough year for Pastor, Bigot, and Racist Chia Pet, Stephen Anderson. <laughs> Hasn't it, though? First, he, <laughs> he was banned like from that. Australia. Then he was. <laughs> Banned from the Netherlands. Then he was in a Matt Powell movie. And now, finally, oh. he's banned from the one place we all thought loud racist white guys were safe. Ireland. Rockland <laughs> County. Oh. Yeah, that, no, yeah, no, they're it's still close. safe. That's where all there. those people come from. Um, And by the way, credit where credit is due. You heard it here first, even well before it happened. Lucinda called this one on TWIM on uh, episode 324. Go, Lucinda. Now use that same power to get him kicked out of America. <laughs> Just Steve Anderson and Andrew Wakefield floating around in the middle of the Atlantic international waters. Just, 
getting measles together and yelling slurs, <laughs> just <laughs> rubbing, r- scratching their itchy parts. Sounds great. Now, Anderson, who looks like an American History X-themed Ken doll, is the first person stopped from entering Ireland under the exclusion powers granted by the Nation's Immigration Act of 1999. Section 4 of that act states that a person can be banned if it's deemed, quote, necessary in the interest of national security or public policy. Wow. So, uh, big congrats to Steve Anderson. You're not just... Too racist for Ireland. Your first time they use a rule too racist yes. for Ireland. <laughs> they were letting in like, you know, IRA people from back yeah. out of the country and in <laughs> since then a bunch. But not, not him, though. They drew the line somewhere. Well, either way, we know that the best person to offer an opinion on this would be Irish fake abortion clinic lady. So Irish fake abortion <laughs> clinic lady, it's good to have you back on the show. Tis a fine thing to be baxed amongst you, Heath. Uh, I'm Heath. Indeed you are. Now, uh, are you, tell us, what? Irish fake abortion clinic lady, It's it, she, it never sinks in. It's okay. been a while, um, and I'm pretty sure you mostly appear on a different podcast. So two-part question. Do you think the listeners remember or even know who you are? And what do you think of Steve Anderson? Oh, for sure they don't, Lucinda. But myself and Mr. Anderson... Um. <sighs> It seems a bit extreme, but oh, oh, oh. who's this? Oh, who's uh, this? That's, uh, it's sock puppet. No, tis a ghost of one of the Holocaust victims, to be Ooh, sure. So, so. Ooh, how could six million Jews have died without gasoline lines to burn the bodies? Oh, okay, Irish Very fake abortion yeah. clinic lady. Thanks for stopping by. We're done. I think it was Steve Anderson did nothing wrong. Okay. I, I'm sorry I did not see that coming. Uh, honestly, I did. She's actually from my hometown. So Go Yankees. Go Yankees. Yeah, I mean, go Yankees for sure. Go Yanks. And speaking of side characters that usually show up to talk about abortion, we'll take a quick break and hand things over to my lovely wife, Lucinda. A man wrote the Bible. A whore is what she wants. If it's a legitimate rape. It is a slut, right? It, cooking can be fun. Hey, I'm proud of a man. This week in Massachusetts. Well, damn it, Alabama. Now Alyssa Milano will have no idea where to not fuck people. So, yeah, never one to allow a state to be worse than it for long. Alabama saw Georgia's new anti-abortion law and raised them rape and incest. Where Georgia rolled the clock back to about six weeks when a fetal heartbeat can generally be detected, Alabama went all the way back to zero weeks. And they did away with all those pesky exemptions for rape and incest victims that muddle up the purity of the Georgia bill. So, yes, if both of these laws went into effect, you'd literally have Alabanians sneaking over to Georgia where the abortion laws were more progressive. And look, I get that I just said last week that I didn't want to turn this segment into this week in abortion, but those assholes basically passed this law as we were getting ready to record. Anyway, I had other stories all ready to go, so I'm going to talk about them anyway. But just keep in mind that regardless of what the other stories are, the theme of this week is fuck Alabama. Okay. So, Lori Alexander is still a fucking idiot. You'll remember her from a couple of weeks ago when she made this segment for accidentally admitting how shitty her sex life is. Well, she's back in the misogyny news again this week, this time lamenting how smart girls are. So, apparently, Lori came across an article talking about how girls were getting better and better at academic achievement now that we don't force them to take folding laundry class instead of geometry. And she goes ape shit. Because if girls get too smart, quote, more and more young women will be leaving their homes, leaving their children in the care of others, and being helpmeets to their bosses, 
instead of their husbands, end quote. Now, I'm not sure about the biblical terminology there, but I don't think Lori knows that you can be employed without fucking your boss. And I get it. It's a common misunderstanding that I've had to put up with for my coworkers every time I've ever gotten a promotion. What's more, if you're Lori Alexander, then the woman you most interact with is Lori Alexander. And I can see how that would sour you on the whole gender. But trust me, Lori, almost all of us are better than you. And finally, you know what? Fuck it. I don't want to talk about this story, so I'm not gonna. It's about a pastor that raped his 14-year-old adopted daughter and then gets about 60 fewer years in prison than the guidelines called for, you know, because the judge thinks pastor equals good person. If you want to read about it, I'll link it in the show notes, but I already had to talk about Alabama, and that's enough for this week. So on that uplifting note, I'll hand things back over to Noah, Heath, and Eli. Thank you, Lucinda. And in Harriet's of Fire news tonight, Four Grace Brethren Christian School in George's County, Maryland, took their balls and went home this week when they resigned from the Potomac Valley Athletic Conference, or PVAC, because of the league's allowance of transgender athletes to compete on teams consistent with their gender identities. Cool. Uh, so, bye, Felicia. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Look, it's bad enough that y'all are making us let them shit. Pretty much. So... Ugh. George Hornickel, who, when he's not doing his full-time job as an old, offensive wooden doll of a pizza chef, is the principal of the school. You got to Google it. It's yeah, it's really good. It is, that's just uh, his name uh, is that image. Hornickel. Yep. When he's not that, he's the principal of the school. And he released a statement saying, quote, schools that allow boys to play on girls teams is a form of cheating. And it gives them an advantage over girls teams who only play female athletes, end quote, which might be true if these athletes were post-pubescent or not on hormone blockers. However, Hornickel immediately demonstrated just how wasted that explanation would be on him when he added, quote, this is how it has been throughout the history of the world. And we believe there are only two sexes, male is. and female, end quote. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess he's allowed to believe there are only two sexes. I mean... There's six. There's six forms of karyotypes. But Hornickel is allowed to believe tens of millions of people don't exist, I guess. That's really, that's his prerogative. And, uh, and by the way, the school was already planning to leave this conference because most of their opponents are too far away. But they're such giant fucking assholes yeah. that they were like, <laughs> uh, also fuck trans people, also that, because the Bible is also our reason, nailed it. Like, yes. They could have just like said fucking nothing and not been extra assholey about it, but right. they had to do this. Yeah, like which, which means somewhere in some office somebody heard this and was like, oh, good, I thought we were going to have to do this without bigotry. Score! Nailed it. Good. <laughs> All right. Still, we know here at The Scathing Atheist that even non-bigoted, non-assholes can be confused about trans athletes and fairness in sports. So, in the spirit of education, let's answer some FAQs with another episode of Kicking It with Carl. He's a pug and he's also a unicorn. You know, that's a horse that has a horn. But don't forget, he's a pegasus too. That's called a pug, a pegacorn, and he likes you. It's Kicking It with Carl. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Kicking It with Carl. My guest today is podcaster and activist, Callie Wright. Callie, welcome to Kicking It with Carl. Hey, Carl. Thanks for having me on. So, Callie, I asked you on the program today so we could talk about trans athletes in sports. I am one of those. So, like me? 
Exactly. You play roller derby, right? I sure do. Now, Callie, isn't that unfair? Uh, how so? Okay. Well, you, so, you know, among pugapegacorns, pug at least, there's, like, like dude pugapegacorns are, are usually, um, usually... Bigger, bigger and stronger? Yeah, usually. It's, is that true with humans, too? I mean, most of the time, but there's a pretty wide range within that category. Oh, yeah, I, I guess there is. But, like, what if a dude pugapegacorn was just like, I'm a lady pugapegacorn, and then wanted to play in the Pugapolympics? Wouldn't that be unfair? I'm glad you asked, Carl. And yes, if you could just announce your gender and instantly change categories, maybe that might be unfair. Except that's not actually how trans athletics work, at least not in most cases. It's not? No. For almost all gender segregated sports, athletes have to have been on hormones for a period of time and sometimes even uh, have to have had surgery before they're allowed to compete as a gender other than the one they were assigned at birth. The, the Olympics even has an official policy about it. Wait a second, they do? They sure do. Okay, but aren't their bones and muscles and stuff denser or something? Actually, not necessarily. There's, there's quite a bit of peer-reviewed research that shows after trans athletes are on hormones for a significant amount of time, they have the same or less bone and muscle density as the cis people in their category. So trans athletes don't have a significant biological advantage. Not according to the science we have, no. But more importantly, even if they did have a biological advantage, it might not be as unfair as you think. What do you mean? Well, did you know that Michael Phelps has double-jointed ankles? Uh, he does? He does. Plus, he produces almost half the lactic acid of other athletes. Wow, he's so lucky. He is lucky, Carl, and that's actually kind of my point. When someone like Michael Phelps is born with physical advantages, we talk about how lucky they are. It's all well and good to say trans women are women, but if that stops when we want to play sports, you're kind of secretly saying you actually don't think they are. Oh, I, I didn't mean it that way. I know you didn't, Carl, and it's always okay to ask questions, but... It's pretty tough to be trans right now. There's bathroom bills, the trans military ban, and the government rolling back our healthcare and legal protections. So you just, you just got to be extra careful, okay? Okay. And if someone tells me I hurt their feelings, I should apologize? That is right, Carl. All right, Kelly. One more question for you. And this is a tough one. All right, shoot. Do you like garlic bread? You know I do. All right. Well, Kelly, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, Carl. He's a pug and he's also a unicorn. You know, the horse that has a horn. But don't forget, he's a pegasus too. That's called a pug, a pegacorn, and he likes you. He's kicking it with Carl. Thank you, Kelly and Carl. And finally tonight in Faptismal Font News, we do not, as a company or as individuals, Endorse public indecency, masturbating your way through a church during a service, or washing your ass in the baptismal font while approximately 75 parishioners watch on in horror. Heath, Heath, Noah's attacking me using headlines again. We not, said, not yet. Uh, we I said, will, but not yet. Who would you prefer I'm, attacks you with the headlines? <laughs>
All right, so no, look, I'm not going to say it's the worst use of public indecency, public masturbation, or public ass rinsing, but I am going to say that no matter how well we do with the Matreon thing, we, as both a matter of law and company prerogative, will not jerk off with our asses in the holy water regardless of whether the church is in service. But if 21-year-old North Dakotan meth head Zachary Burdick does it, we certainly endorse thinking that's pretty fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also, just to be clear, we are willing to set a Patreon goal to buy ourselves a church just for this day. <laughs> Thank purpose. you. Yes. That is definitely what we're doing. No one does not speak for this podcast. I will... <gasps> the Pope, if you give me bail money. No, you won't. Where would you even get a giraffe? Don't well, answer Pope... that. Fucking Andy doesn't need any more complications in his life. Zoo. So, yeah, according to local news reports, <laughs> the incident took place at the Catholic Spirit of Life Church. So already church has a cum name. You're asking for it. In Mandan, <laughs> North Dakota, where there's really nothing to do but jerk off in church. Also asking for it. Uh, <laughs> you're in Mandan, North Dakota. You ask for yeah, whatever happens. Right. So it was a brisk Tuesday morning when an employee saw Burdick enter the church, strip off all his clothes, and jump into the baptismal font. He then, quote, what? dipped his rear end into the holy water fountain, end quote. Uh, he splashed around a bit. He started to masturbate, then walked naked down the aisle while still masturbating, all while approximately six dozen people were attending mass. Uh, Catholic mass <laughs> in 2019, just in case you were going to feel bad for those people. They well, are, right, right. Yeah, they're exactly. all at a Catholic mass. Opus bidet. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> apparently the uh, the pastor was like, uh, everybody, it's fine. Just ignore him. Just ignore him. He just wants attention. So, uh, as I was saying, Jerusalem is basically a whore who enjoys donkey dick and horse <laughs> We're doing this sermon. That's actually really close to what it was. Okay, so I know that one guy in this story is walking down a church aisle, buck naked, jacking his dick and everything, but I dare say that he is not the most interesting character here. Okay. Yeah, because according huh. to the sources, an employee, the employee who called the cops, decided to have a quick one-on-one -on -one with him during this public masturbation session. Technically no longer masturbation. So already I'm intrigued. She first explained that it was impolite to masturbate in front of other people. And then she asks, and I have been lying awake at night wondering about her motivation for two days on this. She asks, quote, if he was masturbating to get sexual gratification, end quote. Huh. Fair question. As though she thought maybe he lost something up there and just needed some help pushing it out. <laughs> for his part, Zachary seemed up prepared for this question and responded that he was indeed, quote, trying to bust a nut, end quote. Oh, please tell me her answer was carry on then. <laughs> okay, we've cleared this up. This is a good meeting. This all good right. Meeting. Quick before Eli realizes that all this guy got was a $500 fine and quick before Andrew realizes <laughs> that I just told Eli that we're going to close the headlines out for the night. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. Technically, that'd be a $500 write-off. And when we come back, we'll find a holy book where the dicks are drawn into the text in advance. I have to admit, it took us a while to decide which holy book to tackle this year, and it wasn't an easy decision, but ultimately we settled on the Pearl of Great Price for two reasons. First and foremost, it was the shortest. We were looking at like eight things and it was half as long as the other seven, but also, and most importantly, okay, almost as importantly, 
It's the one that had the book of Abraham in it. And that's what we get to break down today. <laughs> book of Abraham. <laughs> Things that are short. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this book, Eli's Penis, he's a big fan. And joining yep. us for this delightful dive into Joseph Smith's derangement and Eli's penis size is my lovely wife, Lucinda. Lucinda, welcome back. Look, we're half an hour from me never having to think about this stupid thing again. Let's not slow down with the salutations, okay? Okay. All <laughs> right. Check. Okay. So before we dive into the details, we should talk about what this book is. The, the story of how it came to be is far more interesting than the book itself. And not just because the ingredients on the shampoo bottle would also be more interesting than the book itself. Mm-hmm. So. That, that's what we had to read before cell phones, millennials. That's how hard we had it. Right? <laughs> Did you guys jerk off to the back of shampoo bottles, too? Not I thought it was alone. Your, no. So here's the, here's the backstory. <laughs> Conditioner usually, but yeah. All right. So here's the backstory on this. Uh, some dude inherits some old Egyptian papyri from a dead ant or something. And, he, and he's toting it around the Midwest back in the 1840s, displaying it at sideshows and shit. So he hears about these Mormons and how their backstory includes a guy who says he can translate Egyptian hieroglyphics. So the carnival barker's like, hey, I bet I could rip this guy off. Spoiler alert, you can literally always rip Joseph Smith off. Pretty much, yeah. (laughs) So he goes to Kirkland, Ohio, where the Mormons were, uh, and he offers Joey this whole bunch of Egyptian stuff, which apparently included a mummy as well, uh, for the princely sum of $2,400 in 1840. (laughs) That's 70 grand in today's money. So Joey looks at it. He declares that the papyri include the literal handwritten words of both Moses and Abraham. (laughs) And then he orders his followers to pay for it for him. And then he translates them. He translates them. This is amazing. It's like that improv liars duel you get when two idiots at the bar, they read different memes about Hillary Clinton being a serial killer. So they both both agree on the general premise, but they're just making new stuff up. Yeah. I say, I say, so these are the scrolls from two magical prophets of God. Uh, yes. And, uh, they say that I, Joseph Smith, will... Buy these for $100 in future currency called dollars. Uh, It actually says $100 each, if you look at that little squiggle right there. So, Uh, uh, $2,400 total. Oh, it does, doesn't it? Is it right there? Great. Yep. Great. Yep. So, that's the deal. We are are both not lying. $2,400. We are not. Um, why did you all just freeze for like a minute? I'm pretty sure they were doing a doodly do. Uh, were you guys doing a doodly do? We were doing it. I was yes. the salesman. Yep. Okay. All I right. So Smith. T- Joseph Smith translates these uh, papyri and he releases them, by the way, one chapter at a time in a newspaper that he owns to drum up a, a, a little extra distribution, I guess. Of course, later... Egyptologists learn how to actually read hieroglyphs and they translate these ones. And lo and behold, they are not the words of Abraham or Moses, but instead they're literally the most common Egyptian thing you could possibly have. Right. They're fragmentary copies of the Book of the Dead and the Book of Breathings, which, you know, that's still pretty cool. I'd hang it on my wall, but it's the equivalent of people thousands of years from now having a phone book from today. (laughs) Yeah. So just to be clear. We're reading a mistranslated filibuster 
The holy book. Yes. That's right. what's happening right now. Yes. The forged note from the dog that ate your homework, the holy book. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bark, it says. All right. So, but when he was done with his translating, Joey also felt the need to copy over and explain a few of the larger drawings on the fragments, which are amazing, but also lead to the greatest penis ever captured in holy canon. So we're going to get to that. Just as we're going through this, keep in mind that there's a God dick at the end. Yes. You sound like a Catholic priest. Can I just tell you that? <laughs> comes up. Okay, but before we can get to the penis, we start out with Abraham apartment hunting and Chaldea and becoming a priest. Yep. This is the perfect start to Joe Smith just making shit up. So like, we get Abraham, prophet of God, getting kicked out of his parents' basement. Essentially, <laughs> yes. Oh, and, and, and in one of the worst examples of foreshadowing in literary history... Abraham laments that the heathens were, quote, offering up their children unto these dumb idols, end quote. <laughs> it's all about the intelligence of the God you're killing your kid for. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Right, right. <laughs> That's what it is. He's about to stab his son, Isaac. Okay, God, just really quick before we get to that. Um, why is a raven like a writing desk? <laughs> <laughs> Quickly. Too slow. Well, in verse 12, by the way, he references illustration A, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, on the papyrus that they bought, there's a picture that, according to this book, is a bunch of Egyptian priests trying to offer Abraham up as a human sacrifice before Abraham made his heroic escape. What it actually shows is a funeral. <laughs> yeah. We also get Joe Smith using the word hieroglyphic yep. in his translation <laughs> yes. of ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics. <laughs> That's a uh, word from Middle French, not uh, Egypt. And uh, <laughs> this one says, the book that you're reading now, now, th this book now. <laughs> now. <laughs> so yeah, but at the last second, right before the evil Egyptians could kill Abraham, God sent an angel with a lockpick to set him free. Right, but and then God introduces himself to Abe Formally, right? Like with with all the title, like for four paragraphs. Yeah, like Daenerys Targaryen. Yes. <laughs> I, I love that the god of the universe introduces himself by name. He's so awkward. It's the best. Abraham <laughs> screams for help because he's about to get stabbed, and God's like, "Hello, how are you today? Uh, is is this gentleman stabbing you? Oh, wait, sorry, sorry. I'm I'm so rude. My name is Jehovah." The God, yes, <laughs> um, the God of the universe. Let, let's all go around the room before we Abraham. Get to I this presume share our um, pronouns. He also tells us that the Egyptians are secretly black or something. I, I, verse twenty-two. He yeah. says that the Egyptians preserve the blood of the Canaanites in the land. So, I eighteen forties dog whistle. I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, it, it's the Dennis Hopper speech from True Romance with with Walken, but for no reason. Yes, like just to be racist. That's the only thing accomplished here. Abraham's like, yeah. So uh, one other thing, just for the record, if you're an Arab, uh, way back when your great 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 grandma and all her friends were fucking black dudes. <laughs> just so you know. So we also learn how Egypt came to be. Uh, it was founded by the daughter of Egyptus. Egyptus. <laughs> he was going to give us a proper noun, but Egyptus. Um, <laughs> then Abraham promises to fill us on an, in on everything between creation and Egypt's founding. 
And if we don't believe him, he'd like to remind us that he did predict a famine once and then there was a famine. So you can trust him. <laughs> yeah. So after promising us an exhaustive record of creation, he instead focuses in on a very long and uncomfortable walk he took when he moved out of Earth. Yeah, it's like he's trying to convince us that Abe's really Jewish or something. <laughs> so they drop Abe's idolatrous dad off at a nursing home in Haran, and then Abe and his nephew Lot head to Canaan, I guess, on God's instructions. And Lot was like, hey, God, uh, anything you want to tell me about? Anything that might be coming up for me <laughs> in the story in terms of angel raping or getting raped by my own daughters? Anything with sexual assault? <laughs> Pillars of salt. No. <laughs> Great. Okay, so uh, no consequences. So let's uh, let's go ahead and start up the city of Buttfuckingville. I'm sorry. <laughs> Great. Yeah, so, so they get to Canaan and God tells Abe, hey, it's all yours. But he doesn't mention that to the Canaanites, which seems to be a grave oversight. <laughs> Just stay away from the fence. Just stay away. It's pretty simple. Good. Yeah. Well, then Abraham heads to Egypt, but not before God warns him that his wife's way too hot for Egypt. So he should probably pretend that she's his sister. Uh, hey, Joe, uh, should we make this weird incest role play part of the Bible better? Do you want to change that at all? Or uh, Yeah, let's say God's into it. Oh, that's uh, OK. That's better for you. I guess. <laughs> yeah. uh, OK, correct. It is okay. <laughs> and then we stumble our way into the hardcore crazy here. And we know it right away because chapter three opens with Abe busting out the Urim and the Thummim. Yes. Yeah! <laughs> yes. They make their return fucking appearance. So quick reminder, those are the magical items that Joseph Smith would later use to translate the golden plates. They were cleverly disguised as an ordinary rock and I believe a broken pair of spectacles at the time. Only I, Abraham, prophet of God, saved up all my proofs of purchase from my Ovaltine jars and got a secret decoder ring. That's right. Drink more Jehovaltine. <laughs> and this is where Kolob, the, the planet where God lives, is introduced to Mormon canon. Yes. Yes. Finally, we get Kolob. And okay, so according to friend of the show and soup-scented American Bryce Blankenagel, Kolob may very well be an accidental translation of a word that means male prostitute <laughs> in the context that he stole it from from, from Deuteronomy. I'm, I'm not sure if he's right, but Bryce makes a pretty solid case that Kolob means male prostitute. Love it. Okay, so the correct translation was Abraham explaining how God is from a planet of male prostitutes. I think. Maybe we're supposed to be gay. Maybe that was... <laughs> Maybe Leviticus is saying, don't lie with a woman the way you fuck a male prostitute. Oh, that's a good point. I feel like that's a better interpretation. Yeah, without a condom, of course. (laughs) Because they can't get pregnant. Right. No, they can't. Yeah. All right. Well, and then I'm pretty sure Joey argues through Abraham, through God, that the moon is bigger than Earth, and that's why it spins slower. (laughs) The fuck? Yes. (laughs) What? What is amazing about this book is it's Joe trying to pull an L. Ron Hubbard, but he has to do it with old-timey science. Yeah, so he's like, and then the aliens descended in their futuristic spaceship made of straw. (laughs) (laughs) Also, apparently God planets are set up like Inception, so like the higher you go, the longer time takes. 
or the opposite. <laughs> it's literally impossible to follow what the fuck he's trying to say in this chapter. I challenge anyone to do it. Yeah. All right. So uh, imagine a bunch of male prostitutes on a big spinny ball. <laughs> got, it, got it. Picture that. I mean, take, spend some time picturing that. That's fun. <laughs> and all right, now imagine if you're in charge of that, you, you know, you're going to want to stack that on a series of balls that spin uh, faster, right? <laughs> no. you know, you Let's go back to picturing getting, the male prostitutes. <laughs> yeah. All right, picture them. Are they getting jostled with a slower or a fast? <laughs> What's, what would you guys do? Oh, man. Then Joey decides it's proper noun time. Oh, so no. We learn about uh, Shaniha. Uh, which is a, a sun, and Kokon, which is a star, not Kolob, Kokob. Totally different place. <laughs> also, suns are different than stars. They are, yes, yeah, very they clearly. Are. Uh, we also learn about the moon, Olia, and we learn about <laughs> Kakaobiam. <laughs> which is uh, the firmament, a firmament, all this, again, aggressively unclear. No idea. I love that Joe Smith clearly spent just so much extra time just trying to name stuff and still failing. Yep. Just talking to his scribe like, all right, what are some noises I haven't made yet? <laughs> uh, phone, we're on K, right? Okay. Ko, ka, ki, cow, koo. Okay, nailed it. Uh, outer space is called <laughs> Kokaki Kauku. <laughs> and just to be clear about how clear this book isn't, I wanted to, uh, to pull up sample sentence. So this is what we're dealing with. Stuff like, quote, how be it that he made the greater star as also if there be two spirits and one shall be more intelligent than the other, yet these two spirits, notwithstanding one is more intelligent than the other, have no beginning. They existed before, end quote. What? Oh, no, uh, that's actually my transcription of Heath trying to talk to a pretty girl at Skepticon. Oh, okay. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I got it. It's not um. What's this? Rifra. <laughs> well, I honestly think that paragraph is about how Joey is smarter than his wife. Like, I was expecting it to go on to say, notwithstanding, one is more intelligent than the other. It was probably going to figure out it was supposed to be pulling the door right before she said anything. <laughs> and besides, she doesn't even know what a torque wrench is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so a smart spirit and a dumb spirit uh, are, are, are fucking a male prostitute on uh, Spinny Heaven Ball. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm with you. one of them always lies and the other one always tells the truth. <laughs> and, and there's the Goblin King and he, <laughs> he's doing lots of spinny ball stuff too. That's it. We're nailing this. This is all falling together. How, so how does Jennifer Connelly find the castle with one question? That's what we're <laughs> asking. So, Mormonism. okay. So God also gives Abraham a peek at pre-heaven uh, and shows him all the yet-to-be-born intelligences that will give Mormon guys the theological right to stalk their middle school crushes yeah. from now on. Yeah. And and then we get to meet pre-Jesus, I think. Again, insanely hard to follow here. Yeah. I have no idea what's going <laughs> on. I love this little moment here. God said, who shall I send to be the Messiah? And Jesus is like, here I am, son of man, send me. And then... Just some other guy was like, here I am. Uh, I'm fucking Alan. Send me. <laughs> and God said, I I'm going to send the first guy. The, okay. Uh, 
Son of man guy. Thank you. Who the fuck is that other guy? <laughs> 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 Just some dude was like, no, no me. If, if Jesus isn't going to do it, I could. I guess I could do it. I, I think that was Satan. But again, it's so unclear. Super knows? unclear. Yes. I laughed for a while. <laughs> I really did. I laughed for a while at that bit. Well, And then Joey goes full polytheism. And suddenly there are a bunch of gods. And I guess Abraham is doodly doing his way back to creation yep. here. <laughs> and I think my favorite part was the description of the gods. There was all, yeah, all of a sudden there were a bunch of them. The gods, when they created light, apparently one of them said, let there be light. Uh, probably had a big fight over who got to do that one. Cause that's, <laughs> you know, a big fun one as spells go. But then the light shows up and they're all like, Wow. Okay. That's very bright. Like aggressively, uncomfortably bright. Can Alexa, can we dim that? Maybe, do, I don't know. Can we create some anti photons? And that's when they were like darkness too. I don't know. One of the other gods is like, does this stuff give you cancer? It does. It does. Well, we will create cancer soon. We will. I told you he was going to mess we, it hold up. On, just follow up. Are we creating cancer? Did we all agree? Let there be cancer. Can we? <laughs> right. And then he rips off the opening of Genesis because fucked, I guess, if he's going to do like five full chapters of fresh material at this point in his career, he's going to stick with the basics. Well, <laughs> of course, Joey makes a few improvements along the way. Does he? By which we mean adds extra words where they don't really need to be. Okay. If that's your definition. That's sure. Pearl adds. of Great Price is like God got assigned to do a group project with Joseph Smith. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the direct Genesis lift carries on into the next chapter as well, just in case anybody was in need of hearing half of the Adam and Eve story again. Oh, for fuck's sake. Right. I'd love to hear a version of Genesis from Eve's perspective. That'd be like good. That half would be fun. <laughs> She's just like, all right, so I'm hanging out in the garden and... This giant talking, walking snake starts fucking nagging me. And that's obnoxious. <laughs> the only way I can get him to leave is if I eat a bite of his stupid fucking apple. And he's bothering me the whole time. So, yeah. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, Hillary Clinton can't even beat a rapist. So, <laughs> there you go. Story of Genesis from Eve, from woman's perspective. <laughs> but that is not the half of the story they went with. I just, no, no. That would be fun. Yeah, no, unfortunately. Well, and another improvement, in my opinion, in uh, Joey's version, we, we skip the part where God parades all the animals out to Adam and goes, you want to fuck that? And you was straight <laughs> ahead to the rib thing. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, just for the record, God refers to women here as exact quote, help meet. Yep. Yep. And then halfway through, while Adam's naming the animals, Joey's like, fuck it. That's where the papyrus cuts off and just stops. Yes. He, he was already just plagiarizing and he couldn't be bothered to finish the fucking story. No. <laughs> I'm going to go for some brevity here in my plagiarism. <laughs> yeah, right. Need a break. I get it. Everyone else put up their citation needed essay on Thursday and that's already Sunday. And you downloaded that Grammarly thing, but all it does is tell you you're a bad writer. It doesn't like change things for you. So <laughs> you just wrap it up. Uh, what I'm saying is I empathize with Joseph Smith. Oh, boy. You didn't download anything. No, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I went to the website and it was like a Chrome attachment. I was like, yeah. <laughs> What's that mean? All right. So, yeah, the book ends there. But, but Joey does give us all the pictures and his silly ass interpretation of them as well. 
Um, now, they're hardly worth noting, except that this is where the canonized God penis snuck his way in. Finally. So facsimile <laughs> two is this big round seal with a whole bunch of shit going on and inverted at the bottom. You see a dude that Joey calls a symbol of, quote, God sitting upon his throne, revealing through the heavens the grand keywords of the priesthood as also the sign of the Holy Ghost unto Abraham in the form of a dove, end quote. And I don't know about no dove, but the dude he's talking about is clearly sporting a fuck ready erection. Yep. yep. You guys don't get boners when you see a dove? Is that- I, I'm not saying that. That's not what I was saying. What's amazing is it's not like this is a photocopy, right? They had to draw that little penis on that guy to get it into the book. With no curvature, yeah. which I thought was weird. So, yeah, yeah this is apparently Min, a male god of fertility uh, in Egyptian lore, but it, it is indeed his cock sprouting out of his cock region. That's what that is. That's confirmed by Egyptologists. So either the key words of the priesthood are D's nuts or Joseph Smith is a fraud. <laughs> All right. Well, this is going to be fun next time we're in Salt Lake City. We uh, we walk into that giant golden temple in uh, Temple Square. Just be like, hey, guys. So, uh we all fucked this dove on your throne over there. Uh, <laughs> we can all start Monday as priests. <laughs> you're, you're square ladies keep avoiding me. Tell them uh, <laughs> to avoid me. All right. Well, word of warning. This book really does peak at the God dick. So we're going to shelf it for a few weeks, but we're going to be back with more Pearl of Great Price soon. Be forewarned. It's all downhill from here. Fuck. Jehovah-ting. No, I got it. I get one. <laughs> That's such a good one. It Thank is. You. Before we adjourn for the night, I want to remind you one more time that Andrew playing Twister with us in his pajamas on camera is still on the line with our Patreon pledge drive. So be sure to head over to patreon.com slash scathing atheist and do your part. Anyway, that's all the blasphemy we've got for you tonight. We'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a brand new episode of our sister show's hot friend, God Awful Movies, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern on Tuesday, and an even new episode of our half-sister show, Citation Needed, debuting at noon Eastern on Wednesday. Obviously, this episode would leave that bitter season eight episode five taste in your mouth of a neglected to thank Heath Enright for never neglecting to be so thankable. I need to thank Eli Bosnick for coming back to America, even though he was in a country where Trump wasn't the president. I also want to thank the lovely and talented Lucinda Lusions for relenting on her plan to burn this fucking state to the ground. Also want to thank Callie from the Gathius Manifesto podcast for chipping in this week. If you'd like to hear more, I strongly recommend her podcast, which you'll find linked on the show notes. Also want to thank Evan from the Happy Monday podcast for providing this week's Farnsworth quote. If you need a little more happiness in your life, and let's face it, you do, you'll find his show linked on the show notes as well. But most of all, of course, I want to thank this week's best people. Big list again. Here we go. Earl, Vanita, Jeff, Sean, Adam, Johnny, JRJP, Michael, Ned, Dr. Brandon, regular Brandon, Kimberly, Matthew, Erica, Melissa, Ashley, Timothy, Kenny, Adana, Godawful, Senate, Colin, Cornell, Robert, Jason, Brad, Joe, Ian, Christopher, Genetic, Mutual, Mark, Jason, Decomposing, Snail, Rider, Andrew, Louisiana, Femis, Using a Ouija Board to Contact the Spirit of the Law, Brothel Knight, Christine, Grant, Anthony, George, Happy Hour, Limbo, Peter and Korea, King Leon, God of the Aboriginals, Landon, Corey, Lunchbox, 20, Aaron, Dave, Crystal, Damon, Robert, Ishes, Ducks, Disestablishmentarianism, James, Devin, Rachel, Fluid, Chaos, Daniel, Frodo, Take the Wheel, and other Higgins, Questionable Sources, Daniel, Angela, Tub the Schoolboy, Borderline, Rhetorical, Matt, Olivia, Sally, Hal, Tracy, Brian, Brett, Jarrett, Tashby, Wendy, Kitsuna Lane, Jake, John, Ty, Ann, Derek, Alex, Bill, Gary, Pivotal Solutions Consulting at AskAndTell Project.com. 
who are so bright they blind oncoming traffic if they think too hard. Together, these 99 women, men, non-binary, snail jockeys, god cynics, waterfowl phrases, hobbits, websites, and LGBT service member outreach programs heated the cry to try to give me too many names to say in one breath this week, but didn't quite get there. If you'd like to listen to me finally ask Fixiate once and for all, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash scathingatheist, whereby you'll earn early access to an extended ad-free version of every episode, or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of the homepage at scathingatheist.com. Legal services for this podcast are provided by the law offices of P. Andrew Torres. Tim Robertson handles our social media and our audio engineer is Morgan Clark, who also wrote all the music that was used in this episode, which was used with permission. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at scathingatheist.com. That's a good callback. Thank so, you. Sims it's decided, not to this show, but yeah. It was, <laughs> the preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.